Hi, my name is Brittany, and this is Against the Great, the podcast that challenges you to think independently of social norms or doing things because we think it is right for ourselves and not just following what everyone else is doing. So I did take some time off from the podcast, but I'm back with season two, and I find today's topic more important than ever to talk about. It is about mental health, what it is, what is mental illness, factors that cause mental illness, and if a friend or family member is struggling, things you should and shouldn't say to try to help. So let's get into it. Mental health has started to become more talked about in the media in recent years, even as recent as the past Olympics with Simone Biles taking a step back to focus on her own mental health. You know, she felt that the weight of the world was on her shoulders. It's a lot of pressure, which is a huge amount of stress. And as I'll get into in a little bit, stress can definitely be a trigger for bringing on mental illness. Yet I still heard people putting her down for that. And to me, that is not acceptable. Mental illness is a medical condition, just like heart disease or diabetes. And mental illness is nothing to be ashamed of. In a given year, nearly one in five, one in five, let that sink in, U.S. adults experience some form of mental illness. One in 24 has a serious mental illness, a serious mental illness being a mental, behavioral, or emotional disorder, which substantially interferes with or limits one or more major life activities. This excludes developmental and substance use disorders. And one in 24 U.S. adults has a diagnosable substance use disorder. So although a lot of mental health issues are not lifelong disorders, some can be. And you can improve your condition with treatment. But sometimes if you're not taking active steps to keep yourself healthy, then it's likely like anything else, you know, those symptoms are going to flare up again. It's important to remember that a person's mental health can change over time depending on many factors. When the demands placed on a person exceed their resources and coping abilities, their mental health could be impacted. For example, if someone is working long hours, caring for a relative, or experiencing economic hardship, they may experience poor mental health. And I can talk from personal experience on this. The first time I really remember struggling with mental illness was around age 13. And I kind of went back and forth for a few years. And now I'm 27 and I still, to this day, I still struggle sometimes. You know, in the last couple years, I got divorced. I struggled a lot with loneliness. I then took, you know, some time to find my own passions. But once I found the things that I loved, Then I felt like I didn't really have anyone to relate to because a lot of the stuff I love, not everyone else loves. 
And a lot of times I feel like I can be very boring to other people. That doesn't mean I'm going to change. And along the way with all of this, I moved completely across town. And I was only seeing my son every other week for the very first time since he was born. My entire life was flipped upside down in a relatively short amount of time. It was a lot of stress. And I felt like there wasn't really anyone I could turn to and talk to about a lot of these things. And I also felt like it was completely my fault because I was the one who chose all of that. And I beat myself up a lot for it. I felt like I was a bad mom for choosing my own happiness and stepping away and only giving myself half the amount of time to see my son grow up. But sometimes you need to remember that doing something uncomfortable helps provide the most growth for ourselves. And no, you shouldn't settle. Chase what makes you happy. Just know that with most things, it's not always a linear path upward. That sometimes you have to go down before you can go back up. But when you do start going back up, just know that you are going to go higher than you've ever been. And all that struggle will have been worth it. I think this is super important because suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. And when you're so sick, you honestly believe that the world would be better off without you or that it would just be easier to be dead. At least that's how it was with my own experience with this. And I hope that none of you ever feel this way. But if you have or are feeling that way, I really hope you reach out to someone and find help because you're not alone and life is worth living. My personal best advice is if you can get a dog, I highly recommend that. They are someone you can confide in, allowing you to talk it out, getting it off your chest, and they are obviously someone who will never share your secrets. And most importantly, they provide you with companionship that you may feel that you're lacking. My dog means a tremendous amount to me. You know, she gave me a feeling of purpose that no one was ever going to love her the way that I did, so I had to be there for her. And my dog, she was just this little street dog from Bakersfield, California. You know, she got picked up. She went to the pound. No one was adopting her, so she was actually on death row. The day before she was supposed to be euthanized, a rescue came and took her and brought her to Las Vegas to try to get her adopted. And she was the only dog I saw after weeks of searching for the right dog who did not want any human attention. She just faced the back of her cage and even upon trying to talk to her through her cage, she never looked up. She just didn't care. She looked like she had given up on life. And I was also in a dark place in my life. 
So, you know, I felt that. And that saying, like, who rescued who? I love that so much. That was very fitting with her and I. I, as soon as I saw her, I knew she was the one. And I took her home that day. And it's almost 13 years later, and she's still one of the best gifts I have ever received. She is my ride or die. So now that I've given a little background on myself, let's talk about what mental health is. Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, how we feel, and how we act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. Mental health is important at every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence through adulthood. Over the course of your life, if you experience mental health problems, your thinking, your mood, and your behavior could be affected. And many factors contribute to mental health problems, including early adverse life experiences, such as trauma or a history of abuse. For example, child abuse, sexual assault, witnessing violence, etc. Experiences related to other ongoing chronic medical conditions, such as cancer or diabetes. Biological factors or chemical imbalances in the brain. Use of alcohol or drugs. Having feelings of loneliness or isolation. And then also a family history of mental health problems may play a factor. But no, and please pay attention to this, just because someone in your family has a mental illness does not guarantee you will have it. It makes you more susceptible to developing a mental illness, but does not guarantee it. Researchers believe that it's not just one or few genes that could play a a factor. It's many things. It's a combination of any biological, psychological, or or environmental factor. So what complications can come from mental illness? Unhappiness and decreased enjoyment of life. Family conflicts. Relationship difficulties. Social isolation. Problems with tobacco, alcohol, and other drugs. Missed work or school. Or other problems related to work or school. Maybe your productivity is down. Maybe you're having a hard time focusing. Mental health is much more important than some people think. Other complications from mental illness include legal and financial problems, poverty and homelessness, self-harm and harm to others, including suicide or homicide, weakened immune system, so your body has a harder time resisting infections, 
And then also just heart disease and other medical conditions. And if you're not sure if you or someone you know is living with a mental health problem, it's likely if they're experiencing the following feelings or behaviors, it can be an early warning sign of a problem. These include eating or sleeping too much or too little, pulling away from people and usual activities, having low or no energy, feeling numb or like nothing matters, having unexplained aches and pains, feeling helpless or hopeless, smoking, drinking, or using drugs more than usual, feeling unusually confused, forgetful, on edge, angry, upset, worried or scared, yelling or fighting with family members or friends, experiencing severe mood swings that cause problems in relationships, having persistent thoughts and memories you can't get out of your head, Like for me, I can play the same negative thought just over and over and over in my head. Some people may experience hearing voices or believing things that are not true. Thinking of harming yourself or others and, you know, your inability to perform daily tasks like taking care of your kids or getting to work or school. And the benefits of positive mental health includes one's ability to realize their full potential, cope with the stresses of life, work productively, and make meaningful contributions to their communities. Some ways to maintain positive mental health include getting professional help when you need it, connecting with others, Staying positive, getting physically active, helping others, getting enough sleep, develop coping skills, and eating healthy. So my own personal coping mechanism is very clearly avoidance. And the avoidance coping involves trying to avoid stressors rather than actually dealing with them. But more often than not, confronting a problem or dealing with a stressor is the only way to effectively reduce the stress it causes. I have been working on this lately, and it really seemed to help. I did this exercise where there was a lot of memories that I had suppressed for years, some painful trauma that I faced in childhood, and I relived those memories. And I let myself feel that pain for the first time. Before, I just wanted to feel numb to it, hide it away like nothing was wrong. But instead, you know, feeling that pain, letting myself grieve. And trust me, it was hours of tear shed. But by not bottling it up anymore, I felt like I gave myself some closure. And I realized that I'm not that same person. You know, I'm an adult now who doesn't have to put up with anything I don't want to anymore. I'm not a little kid who feels like they have no voice 
and that has to sit there and take every crappy thing that came at them. I used to feel so powerless. But knowing I'm not my past, that was one of the most freeing moments for me. And I hope it positively impacts me in the future, just knowing that. So after everything I've said so far, maybe you know someone around you that fits a lot of these descriptions, but you aren't sure what to say. Let's first talk about what you shouldn't say, because this is really important. A lot of times people with mental illness will get stuck in their own head and take what you say and it will only make them feel worse. It doesn't help the problem. So if you're trying to help, first and foremost, I think you should know that you should never try to invalidate their feelings. Let them know that their feelings are valid. That's what they're feeling. No matter what, that is what they are feeling. Whether their reasoning is valid or not, that's irrelevant. They have certain feelings, that is that. Don't tell them they're being dramatic or sensitive, that it's all in their head, that they're only looking for attention, that they have so much to be thankful for. Don't even tell them that everything is going to be okay. Because if you're telling that to someone, With depression, you know, it could lead to feelings of frustration and isolation for them. So what can you do? You can set time aside with no distractions and provide an open, non-judgmental space. Let them share as much or as little as they want to. Do not pressure them into talking when they don't want to. Just listen. I've personally found that when speaking with people with mental illness that it feels good just to have someone there feeling that you are not alone and you have some support carrying whatever weight you feel that you are carrying with you. Someone is there helping carry the load. It's not about trying to fix their problems or diagnosing what is wrong with them. It is just actively listening. You know, maybe ask them directly, how can I help you? Just remember to try to keep your questions open-ended and try to keep your language neutral. For example, say something like, why don't you tell me how you're feeling? Rather than, I can see you're feeling very low. Maybe bring up ways of de-stressing or practicing self-care and see if they find anything helpful. Remember to respect their feelings. Avoid confrontation or trying to grill them and just be present. Let them know they're heard. I hope this podcast episode today has helped you learn something new in some way. If you previously had some preconceived notions about mental illness, I hope you can go against the grain to continue to educate yourself. I strongly believe that if you have internet, that you can learn anything. The world is at your fingertips. We do not lack the resources. We lack the motivation to seek the answers. And we actively choose to stay ignorant on certain things. There is a lot of stigma that still surrounds mental illness. And I hope collectively 
we can break that stigma. Thanks so much for listening to Against the Grain. Until next time. Bye.